Hey everybody, Jeff here. I don't do this a lot up front on the interviews, but in this particular case, I wanted to. The audio quality isn't the greatest in this one. Uh, Unfortunately, my guest was having some issues. We did a lot to try to fix it up front. It is a lot better than it was. And I fixed as much of it as I could in editing, uh, but there's still some background noise and stuff. And uh, luckily for you guys, at one point, there was a, a, a part where even I had to like throw off my headphones because it was pretty bad and hurt my ears. Luckily, I was able to get rid of all of that piece. And that would have been one of the reasons why I would have potentially scrapped this interview altogether. And I have unfortunately had to do that a couple times in the past. Gilbert was pretty uh, upset. He was trying to uh, fix it, fix it because on his end as much as possible because really it was something going on with his audio. And uh, we did our best with what we had, but I still want to give you guys this interview. This is for uh, a comic that is on Kickstarter right now called Under the Flesh. So you can look that up or check out the show notes if that's something you might be interested in. But I thought it was kind of cool talking to somebody outside of the gaming space. Uh, you know, we've done a video game uh, designers before. We've talked to, obviously, a lot of tabletop game designers. Uh, this is the first time I've talked to anybody that is trying to uh, get independently published for a comic book on Kickstarter. So I thought it was just a uh, interesting conversation to have overall. So I still want to provide you the chance to listen to this interview. Uh, and uh, again, check out Under the Flesh. So there you go. Uh, go ahead and listen to Gilbert and I have a conversation around comics and Kickstarter. <laughs> Welcome to the Game of Crowdfunding Interview Edition, recorded Wednesday, July 2nd, 2014. Yes, this is the Game of Crowdfunding Interview Edition, but in this instance, we're talking about the Game of Crowdfunding more along the lines of the process of coming into Kickstarter versus having somebody on that's in the tabletop or video game space because I have an interview today that's going to be a little bit different than we've done before. Who is on Google Hangout tonight? Gilbert Deltrez, hanging it back with Jeff on All Us Geeks. That's right. Gilbert is with me tonight because he is getting ready to launch a Kickstarter for a comic book. That's right. I said a comic book. And anybody that listens to All Us Geeks knows very well that we cover all aspects of geekdom. You know, we we do have a a core focus in the board game side of things. We always review a board game, typically a, a something coming to Kickstarter. But when Gilbert reached out and asked us if we would take a look at his comic, it made sense because we also talk about comics. We talk about the books we're reading. We talk about the shows we're watching and the movies we've seen and all aspects of geekdom. And the stuff that we can't cover, we've brought in other people. You guys have heard Sarah, my co-host from the Draft Picks, her and her husband do a Lego segment because we can't talk to the Lego world and all that stuff. So we do cover all things geek. So I thought it'd be very interesting to have somebody on that's in another aspect on the crowdfunding side of things and going coming into Kickstarter from another aspect of geekdom. So thanks for hanging out with me tonight, Gilbert. And I hope you're uh, ready to rock and roll because I've got some warm-up questions for you. I'm ready to go. I'm ready. All right. Uh, first <laughs> and foremost, what do you do for a living besides create comics? Oh, boy, Jeff. You had to go there, huh? <laughs> uh, and it can be as vague or whatever as you want. It doesn't, you know, you don't have to get into details. Okay, that makes sense. Well, I'll keep, I'll try to keep it vague, but at the same time, I'll just say that I, I work a government job, a very stultifying government job, kind of not using much of my IQ, so to speak. At the same time, <laughs> it puts food on the table, so I'm grateful. Let's not get that, you know, I am grateful, but I feel like I'm not pushed towards where I need to be pushed. My, my, my mind is not expanded the way it should. And you should have that engaging job. That's, I, I feel everyone should have that type of job. 
Uh, so it's a stultifying job, and which is good because it, it leads me to want to create comics on the side and use my imagination, and that's what what I that's what I hope I can turn into a day job eventually. <laughs> all right. So uh, of course you are uh, on a standalone segment of All Us Geeks. So we like to ask, what makes you a geek, sir? What makes me a geek? Is it the fact that I love reading comics? I love anime. I love playing video games. I also love writing comics. I also love superheroes. I also have superhero pajamas. I also like wrestling. I mean, I couldn't go on and on, but I collect Blu-rays. Uh, that's also, I mean, as far as electronics go, I mean, any kind of new gadget out, I, I'm trying to get my hands on. Uh, I collect Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle action figures. I don't think that can be any more geeky than that. Uh, I love the tur- I love the turtle. My favorite one's Donatello. Um, hot toys are another thing I want to collect. Hopefully, uh, <laughs> that could be a hobby later down the line. Um, only because they're so pricey. But I hope I've covered most of it with that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it wasn't it wasn't a contest. <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't you don't have to love all things geek sorry uh, but if if those are the things yeah. you are passionate about you bet we oh, want to hear about it so here's the flip side of that question that we like to ask a lot on all us geeks we always like to point out the fact that you can truly geek out about anything so do you have any geek level passions for something that the outside world might not think is truly geek related that depends. I mean, honestly, geek related. I mean, pretty much all the avenues I've covered. I mean, I guess you could say movies ain't so much geek related, I guess, but uh, I guess all I could say collecting Blu-rays, maybe that would be something that isn't geek. I mean, I pretty much covered a lot. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm a, mo- <laughs> I'm a movie collector as well. So, uh, I'm right. Blu-rays I'm right. are uh, Achilles heel. I mean, yeah. it's to the point where anything new comes out, I want to grab it. I've learned to cut that down only because in trying to create comics, I, I noticed it was a costly process, so I couldn't be as free with my spending with Blu-rays. But it's something about a Blu-ray experience. I got a 60-inch uh, sharp Aquos with a surround sound, and when you put a Blu-ray in a PS4 and you just hear it and see it, it's just how could you not get hooked on it, you know? <laughs> yeah, we are we are huge movie geeks in this house. So the the geek compound <laughs> is we are actually uh, for Fourth of July weekend here our Hopefully, if everything comes in, we just moved into a new house not too long ago. And, uh, so I've got a uh, brand new space for podcasting and we've got a media area, all that good stuff. Uh, but we have the walls are marked. Uh, if anybody saw our last initial impressions video that we did on our YouTube channel, you'll see blue dots behind our heads. That's painter's tape marking off the wall to wall shelves we're going to put up for our movie collection and game collection. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. You know what's funny? Go continue. No, I was just saying. I've uh, (laughs) I don't know where you're at, but and and they're not all Blu-rays yet. I have been converting, uh, Mm. but I I have a database (laughs) Mm. for all of my movies and TV shows, and I think last count we were at uh, uh, I think close to three (laughs) thousand. Jeez, man. Well, that's counting everything, so that's pretty impressive. That's pretty impressive, man. So, uh, I yeah. think um, I think movies are, are important uh, just because, I mean, you can see a good movie, you can see a bad movie, and, you know, there's so many styles just to a, a, a movie. Like a director has his style. I mean, and then the good thing about movies, when you find movies that no one has heard before, uh, like I was with a, a friend and she was a sci-fi geek, and we're just talking about sci-fi movies. We're trying to challenge each other. Like, I bet you haven't heard of this one. And I, and I quoted, I think, I was like, have you ever heard of Sunshine? And she said yes, because uh, she loves Chris Evans. So that was one thing. Have you heard of it? Cool, you know. And then um, I, I said, how about have you heard of Troll Hunter? And she actually knew what I was talking about, which was funny. And the thing about movies, like, they're, they're, I mean, there's something for everybody. And at the same time, it's addicting. I don't know. It's just a, I, I have a thing with slip covers. I, I love the slip covers. I mean, then there's the then there's a double dipping. You know, you, you buy the Lord of the Rings and then you got to buy the extended, extended edition editions. on Blu-ray. Yeah. And it's like you got to double dip. And it's like I, t- I, I told I'm, and it's funny because now here's another friend that I remember telling. I said, we're sheep. I said, you know that, right? 
I said, they'll, they, you, you have a release, and, and it'll come out, and next thing you know, we'll double dipping again, and, and we know we're going to double dip, and, and we're sheep, and we admit it, and it's like a joke. Even with video games, you have like the Grand Theft Auto Five came out for PS3, Xbox, and then it's coming again for the PS4, and me and him looked at each other, we're like, we're sheep, man, we're sheep. We're going to eventually buy it again for the PS4. I mean, it's good and bad, but I mean, this is just what it is, and to have 3,000 movies is, is amazing, and I know all that... Well, that's, that, that's just making my head explode almost. I, I want to get to that wall-to-wall shelf. I, I, it's like it's something I want to do, and I and whenever I get that house, I, I kind of have my man cave where I'm going to have that wall-to-wall shelf, and I'd like to have all the video game systems, the classic ones from the Dreamcast, from the Atari, from the new stuff. And it's crazy, like just <laughs> – God bless America, you know, that we, we could just indulge in these passions and, and, and these collections, and, and it's just it's unique, and, and I treasure that. And Jeff, I, I hope one day I can see a picture of this wall-to-wall thing or, or, or be well, a part of it somehow. <laughs> well, you, you can definitely see my uh, – because I think we posted it on Facebook and stuff too and, and on uh, uh, Twitter, but because until we get the shelves up, I have an entire – corner of the basement that i can't touch that's boxes of games and then we have an entire oh. corner that we can't touch that's uh stacked up two rows deep of movies so nice. that that's why it's our our project this weekend if everything comes in because we've got two corners that we can't do anything with until we get them out of the boxes and on, onto the shelves so yeah. It's a, yeah, I, I'm fortunate enough that, you know, my fiance is a huge movie geek. I'm a huge movie geek. She loves video games. I love video games. She's not, she's more of a that casual awesome. gamer, but she appreciates what I do and, and the time and effort I put into it to make my hobby into what the podcast has become and stuff. So, uh, I'm very fortunate in that aspect where, you know, I, you could be on the other end where you're always arguing with your significant other about, well, why are you still doing stuff like that? Oh. <laughs> oh, Jeff, I know. Trust me. I, I know exactly what you mean. And I, I'm happy that your fiance supports your geekdom. It, it's important, <laughs> even if she isn't as hardcore. But the fact that she accepts it is great. And the fact that she loves movies and even games on a casual level is, is excellent. And I could relate being that my wife loves movies just the way I love movies. She's also a gamer. And I kind of laugh when I find myself puzzled by how bad she wants to play Borderlands and she'll be like, we haven't played Borderlands in a while, you know, Borderlands, Borderlands 2. Yeah, yeah. And she, she's hooked on that game and it's like, okay, hun, well, you know, and for me, I love Borderlands. Uh, I love the Borderlands franchise, but after you played a while, they kind of, it's kind of repetitive in a way, but playing it with the wife is something you got to enjoy. So the fact <laughs> that I can do that is awesome. So you're, you're engaged and that's awesome. So you're on the right track and you got the right woman. That's all I got to say. Cause like you said, it could be the flip side of that where anything you do in that respect is, is a problem waiting to happen. And I don't encourage that. Any guys, any geeks out there that have uh, significant others that are pressuring you and not saying it's not a man, you're not a man. If you, you know, you play video games or if you spend time in that, it, it's not, she's not accepting who you are really. And, uh, I'm also fortunate enough, uh, Gilbert, the, the fact that she also enjoys comic books. <laughs> Bring, bringing awesome. it around to why you're on the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and, yeah, and let's forget, yeah. And let's, uh, let's, let's have this conversation a little bit. So you, you've got yeah. your, uh, normal day job, uh, mm -hmm. like we were talking about. Maybe it, it, maybe it even goes back farther and probably does. And most people mm -hmm. that get into the comic industry or that or enjoy creating comics, it's way before, way before adulthood. <laughs> but at what point in, in your life did you make a conscious decision that you're like, you know what? Instead of just picking up and reading a book, I want to be part of that process. Mm. I mean, like you said, it stems back to a long time. I mean, I've, I've always, been a fan of films. I've always been a fan of, of comic books. Um, I remember Sundays would be, uh, of course, church, you know, uh, <laughs> but what I remember more is when moms would take us uh, by the, the quickie mart by the deli and you have the, the spin style and uh, you have the comics there laid out. And I guess I've always had an imagination. And, and as a kid, I always knew I wanted to do something creative, whether it be acting in movies, whether it being I was a ham as a kid. So I always kind of like like getting attention and stealing spotlight and, and being the class clown. And as I got older, I realized that's not really going to do anything. And I've never really kind of took a risk in terms of pursuing any of those avenues. 
but I'd watch a ton of movies and I, I'd read a ton of comics. And I kind of said, hmm, there's a lot of movies out there that suck. There's a lot of comics out there that are great. And I feel like maybe I should use this creative mind and try to see what I don't see or, or, or try to, if I'm seeing a movie that I don't like, why am I not liking it? And try to incorporate that into a story where I feel it can touch on these elements and, and readers can, you know, hopefully get behind that. And it's, it's not until, honestly enough, I mean, until recently where I decided, let me write comics. Um, like I said, I, I've done film school, I, I've shot movies, I've watched movies, read books, and it's like, hmm, I wrote screenplays, I said, let me try writing comics. I mean, the passion is there, and the comic medium is visual, like films, and you have so much creative control, you know, as a writer. You, you write panel to panel what's going on, and you develop these characters, and it, it was almost like an epiphany. It was almost like I just realized something I felt like I should have realized when I was, like, 17, because then I would have just... Totally took a different path. I would have, I'd have been here sooner, but things happen the way they do, and I just realized I got I got to get into this. Okay. So did the idea that you wanted to write something, write comics of some type, come first, or did the idea of what you wanted your comic to be, and then deciding to do it in comic form, come first? It kind of manifested it in a way where I always knew I wanted to to create a story. And in that, being that I was a visual guy, I always loved film, I, I, I started dabbling in writing the screenplays, and I noticed that's hard because it's just words on a paper, and trying to pitch a screenplay is extremely hard when no one knows who you are, and you know you don't have anything to show for it. And then it was writing a manuscript, and then it was okay. And, and at the same time, I'm reading comics, I'm reading The Walking Dead, I'm reading uh, all these comics, and I'm like, it just hit me. I'm like, why don't I try writing comics? I'm like, I love comics. I mean, I, I, I like I said, love film, love visual. And I had a, a short story that I wrote in, in, in one of my college classes in creative writing. And it manifested into the comic Under the Flesh. It started out as a short story. And these ideas I had, I just wanted to put out there. And it manifested into comic form. It's just like this realization like it's just sad that i <laughs> like i just realized like wow it's so powerful i, I got a, a book on, on on how to i guess comic book writing it's almost similar to screenwriting by peter david who's amazing his influence and his impact on comics is unprecedented and i just felt let me use this as a guide and i and i just started and it was just been an amazing ride it's almost been more than a year now it's just been incredible and i realized I just want to write comics, and if I can make that into a day job, I'll just be just be the happiest. Okay, so is that specifically? I mean, is that how you really kind of got into it? I mean, you uh, made the the conscious decision, and you kind of dove into how to books and stuff, and and kind of self uh, self or got yourself started in that ass in that way. Yeah, because like I, I started with the screenplays. I started then like writing manuscripts. Like I always had a creative mind. I would read books, and I, and and there was something about like maybe the ending. I I didn't I, didn't, I wasn't crazy about or fantasy. I'm a I'm a big fantasy geek, and I love Lord of the Rings, and and I love that that whole kingdom, that fantasy, a whole different world aspect. And I remember reading some. I don't know if it was Dungeon and Dragon books, and I'm reading some of these weird names. I'm like, that doesn't even sound like a name. I could come up with a better name. And it was just so much that I had in me where it's like I, I needed to share my voice and get it heard. And it started from the scripts and it started from, you know, from the manuscript. And when it got to comics, it made so much sense because instantly you already have a picture to what you're to what you're describing, to what you're sharing. I have this story in my head and in the first panel it's coming to life instantly. You know, trying to get that with a film, you got to go out and shoot a film. And it's so hard with budget-wise to make anything that's going to get anyone's attention. Um, and, and with books, you can write it up. Or like, if you don't have that prestige, it's going to be hard to, to get noticed. But you can do it that way. But when I got to comics, since I've always been a fan of comics, I've always loved comics. And that instant gratification of seeing the pictures and, and the words come to life, I'm like, bingo. And, and I got right into it. And being that I wrote a lot of screenplays and wrote prior meshing into the comic realm was wasn't hard it, it's still stuff that i'm learning a lot and in terms of story story uh development and storytelling but it, it's amazing and it's just instant gratification and like i said i'm just hooked and <laughs> that's all i want to do 
So what has been the most difficult thing for you to transition to from what you've done previously to specifically working on the comic side of things? What, what's given you some, some trouble or what's, uh, mm-hmm. what are you trying to improve on as you go along here? Basically, some of the obstacles in terms of comic book writing is finding an artist. Um, that it's extremely, extremely delicate in the process and looking for an artist because every artist has their fingerprint, their, their style. And you might have a certain type of style in mind, or you might be writing a certain type of story and you need a certain type of artist that can convey that and that can bring that. And the hardest thing has been to find these artists. And in the beginning, I, I I, like I said, I was so green. I, I kind of thought artists would work for free, thinking my idea was the, was the golden ticket to superstardom or, or comic book excellence. And I've learned that the hard way. I'm, it was funny. I, I was started looking for artists on Craigslist. I know a bad place to start. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I remember using the Dark Horse logo in my in my ad, saying, you know, comic book artists wanted. And I remember someone responded to me in a way like. They, it was an eye opener. They're like, you know, no one's going to do this for free, you know. And like, if if you don't quit that, I'm going to report you to Dark Horse that you're using their image to gain, you know, to find artists. And I'm just, oh man, it just hit me. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> and you know what? I'm like, I have to, I have to pay. Okay, fine, that's fine. Like I said, I'm new with this, so I started trying to find page rates, trying to, you know, it was an arduous process. It was a lot of ups and downs and going through a lot of. I've been through a lot of artists trying to find the right person, and it's been a much needed experience, but it also garnered a, a big level of respect for what artists do. And they're amazing. And I was able to find uh, the artist for under the flesh and it works. So I said the, the most difficult thing is finding a, a good artist. But when you get to that process and you find a good artist, there's also a bunch of other obstacles. <laughs> but one of the main things is just finding a good artist. So that, that comes as a challenge. So for anyone out there that's writing, you know, just take your time. And just remember, you know, it's, it's always good to, to, to pay. If you got to get another job, you got to get a part-time job, whatever you got to do, they, they're worth the money because they're bringing your ideas to life. While we're on the subject, why don't we give some love to your artist? Oh, definitely. <laughs> JL is, the way I met JL is, is an interesting story. Like I said, I was looking for, for an artist and I went to uh, Boom Studios, has an artist submission page on Facebook, and I was just kind of scanning, scouting, I guess, for artists. And I saw some of his work and I sent him an email. And from there, that was about a year ago, a year and a half ago. And since then, I kid you not, we've been talking on a daily basis, Skyping and creating under the flesh. And it's just been amazing. Jail is is a true maestro. This guy, he, he inks, okay? He colors, he letters the page. I want to say... He's the Batman and I'm Robin, but I can't say that. So I'm going to say he's Superman and I'm Batman. You know, they teamed up a couple of times. <laughs> so I, st- you know, he's, he, he's amazing. And like I said, we have a, a good, a good uh, relationship and he does a lot of that work at a rate that many people would just look at and roll their eyes and like, this is not, this is the new, but he does it because he knows my position and he also sees the talent that we have and the story and under the flesh and the potential with crowdfunding and the professional quality work we're putting out there. And he believes and I believe, and we're, we're going for it. But this guy is a godsend. He's an amazing artist. He has a background in painting. He has a doctorate in painting. This guy is, is insane. And I'm glad I found him. So that's, that's a chalk up to the high nineties. So that was awesome. Yeah, it was, uh, it was actually, uh, JL was how we, kind of exactly. got hooked up. Yeah. <laughs> it was and I don't remember exactly the overall timing of it, but it was yeah. it was just very it, it was nice, it was natural, kind of, you know, I, it was through Twitter and mm. and regular uh just interacting with with the people that follow us and I and somehow I got I followed him and he thanked me for it and then he was like, "Oh, by the way." <laughs> and uh <laughs> But it was, it wasn't one of those, you know, I, I've talked about it on, on the podcast and stuff before where, it, you know, sometimes when you just, it's hard to cold call somebody, if you will. And, mm-hmm. and, and sometimes people go about it way the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And th- this was not that. This was, 
JL and I having a, a partial conversation started, you know, 140 characters at a time, but a conversation and, and then eventually, uh, Gilbert and I got to start talking and we kind of arranged this conversation to happen because I thought it would be a good idea. So it's just all these little pieces kind of started falling in place. Thanks to JL. Thanks to JL. And definitely JL has been aside from his uh, artistic duties. He's also been networking for our Kickstarter as a, as a, as am I, but. He was the one that hooked up with you guys, and, and he sent me an email. He's like, okay, I have all those geeks lined up. They, they're willing to take a look at it. I'm excited. To, you know, Hey, they want to do a podcast, and I'm like, okay, okay. And then that's when I got in touch with you, and you said, hey, hey, I got all these slots taken up. I got something now. And I said, JL, here's the different slots he has. You know, What should I do? JL said, get the quickest one. Get the earliest one. You know, just you got to do this. And he's been an inspiration as well, and, and it's nice as a comic book writer, it's nice when an artist is that engaged in, in the pro, in the promoting as well, and and I guess they, has that sense of belief that there are, it's a movement we got and it's something good. And he, he takes the initiative, and like I said, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him. And JL, when you hear this, thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I was happy to have the conversation, and and like we were talking before we started recording, I'm uh, happy to have you on to get kind of your take on on the Kickstarter process from a a different geek slant. So it'll it'll be a, mm-hmm. uh it'll it'll be fun when we we get to that part of this conversation. Definitely. But you know, somewhat maybe leading into that. I mean, actually, before I get to that, I, I'm mm-hmm. switching gears on myself. <laughs> Do you have a process that you like to follow while you're writing the comic it, it, or is it what comes to you, what comes to you and, and, and you kind of know what I'm, you know, when, when I'm talking to I a game to. designer, I talk to a game designer uh-huh. about their process and designing games and, you know, mm-hmm. if they have like a, a template or a framework or all that stuff, is there something similar to that for you? I do have an interesting process. Uh, like I said, I, I work a, a stultifying day job. And it gives me time to jot notes. So basically what I'll do as far as writing, I'll kind of make notes on how, like kind of bullet points, I guess you can say on, 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 first I'll try to establish character. I'll try to establish, you know, what they want, try to establish goals, obstacles, conflicts, and I'll try to flesh all that out. And then from there, basically I listen to a lot of music. And for me, sometimes listening to music, these things fuse together. They, they, it's like percolating and these things come together and these ideas jump in my head. And, and then from there, I'll start, I'll, I'll start fleshing it out further. And then I'll come to this actually, okay, let's start with the issue one. And honestly, I'll start with handwriting. Like I'll handwrite it first on a notebook. And then from there, I'll, I'll jump to, uh, typing it. And I kind of take that process and sometimes I realize, okay, my character wouldn't do that. My character would do that instead. And it's almost like I write differently once I know the characters. Like as soon as I know the characters and I, and I get to know them, even though I'm creating them, I kind of find the, the routes they'll take and what they'll do. And, and it kind of, so I'll write something and, and then I'll send it to JL. And then, you know, he'll be like, you think he'll do that? And I'm like, yeah, I kind of do. And then like, I'll tell him and I'll explain why. And, and it, it's basically a, a, a trial and error, but I kind of learn through my characters almost, so to speak. Once I write and I feel they'll say this, they'll do that. It takes me to a whole different level because now I, I kind of like to have a blueprint, but then sometimes the blueprint doesn't pan out because when you realize your characters and their motives and how things flesh out, they'll take you on a different path and you just, you go with it and you just make them sound real. You make them sound believable and you, you know, try not to play up on cliches, although it's, it's impossible sometimes, but try to bring something fresh. And for me, it's starting out with an idea, fleshing out from there and writing it down by hand and then from there putting it on on a on a computer. All right, I I've got a, a kind of a side question here because it it sounds a little bit like you write sometimes the way I write. <laughs> awesome. And, and so let me ask you let me ask you this, if has this ever happened to you? Have you ever been mm-hmm. writing and say writing for a specific character and that kind of character takes over and have you ever gotten to a point where you're going where you kind of go, "Holy crap, they just did that." Like it surprises you? Oh my God, that's happened a, a couple. Oh my God. That matter of fact, the best case in point to say how that happened is if, if, if you read under the flesh, the kind of the cliffhanger that kind of happens, you know, I don't want to say, you know, you knew it was coming. A cliffhanger is coming. It's the first issue. We got to hook, hook the readers. But it's almost like it happened. And I'm like, holy cow. 
<laughs> they just did that. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to go with it. And I remember JL was like, what's going like, really? And I explained to him like, yeah. And I, and I kind of justified the angle of the character from their perspective. And it made so much sense to him and he bought it and he loved it. And it's just like, yeah, I, Jeff, I know exactly what you're talking about. I've, I've had a bunch of holy cow moments because of my characters. Yeah. It, it used to, I mean, I, I don't get to write as much as I, well, I don't, I hardly write at all, especially now with the podcast. I've kind of switched my medium, I guess, kind of like <laughs> you were talking about with when you were doing books and screenplays and stuff like that. Now yeah. you've kind of switched to, to, uh, you know, the, the comics. Uh, mm-hmm. I was doing a lot of writing and I used to do some game design and then I kind of, settled into and got very comfortable and very happy with my space and the podcasting side of things. So uh, while they're still there and, and they will always happen if I get the time and, and if I, or if I just get that one idea that has to come out, right. That's, that's kind of our, our, our the thing that's not going to let you sleep at night unless you write it down. Right. <laughs> Oh man, let me tell you, I got a notebook by my bed just for those, just for those. But, uh, you know, I, I used to kind of do that same thing. You know, you, you have your, your blueprint that you'd like to follow. And, and it's almost the same way. Like I, when I used to run a lot of RPG campaigns, I'm one of those, you know, there, there are, there are role play. There are people that run role playing games that are, there's a door to your left and right. Okay. Well, we go to the right. Well, no, you don't. There's a door on your left, you know, kind of things like, no, I want you yeah. to go to the left where I'm like, <laughs> There's a door in the left and the right. All right, we're going to drill a hole in the wall. Cool. I'm going to go with that. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and and that was kind of my writing style too. It was like, here's my yeah. blueprint. But then when I started getting into the characters, they kind of took me over. And I, I used to have a bunch of those holy cow moments. And I might kind of get there, but once I get done writing, whatever I'm writing for that day, I kind of always would step back and go, okay, what happened? And where do I need to adjust my blueprint? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes it leaves you uh, kind of handicapped almost. You, you kind of got to roll with whatever they threw at you and, and take what they gave you. But it's it, it's a good problem to have. It could make you go crazy because I know some writers are writer's block. But at the same time, if your characters are doing that, it's a good thing. And if they if they even got you, you know, if they're unpredictable even with you as a writer, that's awesome. That's what people are, you know. People are unpredictable. Fact is stranger than fiction. So as much as we try to write something, you know, it's always there's always a true story that beats that and you'd never believe it. So I'm not I'm not a huge fan of lists like top five, top ten or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh so I'm just gonna ask you, what are some of your uh what are some of the things that in, in the comic side of things that you're reading right now that you're enjoying? Uh definitely The Walking Dead. I've I've been following that for since forever. Aside from The Walking Dead, I've been for some reason image, I tend to follow image a lot only because they come with different unique stories and i kind of love that dead body road by justin jordan is one that 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 i love um let me see what else you got ghosted um is another one just trying to name some off the top of my head five ghosts (laughs) a lot of them are our image actually um there's a in the dark horror anthology and that's by rachel deering and she put that together through a kickstarter and that is a compilation of like horror stories in this big, huge hardcover book, it's amazing. It's the kind of stuff like Halloween you just love. But even that, if you love horror, I mean, you'll love it. And it's it's almost like that Tales of the Crypt yeah. kind of where you have these different stories. But it's almost like that, but like in comic book form. So, I mean, definitely that's kind of like what I'm reading now. There's I got tons of stuff on my pull list. Uh, Umbra is another one from Image, and like I said, I'm just <laughs> I don't mean to sound like an Image fanboy. I'd love to be published by Image one day, but that's a lot of the stuff I read from them. Like I said, I love Marvel. I love DC. Um, but for, for some reason, I'm just, it's almost like I want to see something different from them. I, you could reboot, you know, as many Marvel characters as you can, but I kind of like bringing something fresh, you know, and like I said, what Marvel is doing good is their movies. Forget about it. I mean, yes. and DC seems to have a handle of TV shows. Yes. You know, so where, where, where Marvel capitalizes, DC capitalizes in their own respect. So I mean I'm just a I'm just a, a happy geek right now. I won't say that I love horror. I'll just say that I <laughs> may with a fellow game reviewer have a side podcast that reviews horror movies once a month. So Nice. <laughs> horror, I'm telling you, not many people have like enjoy horror, have a stomach for horror. I'm one of the again, the lucky guys that my wife loves horror. I mean, as whatever we put in, it's a horror, she's down for it. And I could appreciate that because like you said, there's a lot of people that 
don't have a, a, a stomach for horror or don't have appreciation for it, but I'm glad that you have someone <laughs> close to you that does a podcast to keep you in the loop. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of our passion project to get away from the, it's something we do outside of the, the gaming industry stuff that we do. All right. So let me ask you this. You're creating under the flesh and you're getting ready to bring that to Kickstarter. <laughs> what decisions went into deciding to take it to Kickstarter versus say like some of the other indie publishing avenues that you could go? Pretty much Kickstarter as far as publishing goes. I mean, I think they're one of the top publishers only because a lot of comic products have been successfully funded through Kickstarter. And initially when we were fleshing out under the flesh, the thought was to at least try to pitch it and try to have a top comic publisher just dig it and buy into it. We sent the pitch recently to Image Comics. Uh, they give you about a month timetable. We haven't heard nothing yet. It's still not a month. But it's almost to the point where sometimes you just got to put it out there. And JL and I thought it would be best to, to put it online as a horror comic that we would update weekly. And, and I've been financing everything out of pocket. It's all an out of pocket expense and it's been fun. It's been, it's been a great process. And we've done it that way. And it's almost to the point where we realize where Kickstarter may be an avenue that we can explore only because of the success that some comic books and other projects have seen through Kickstarter. And it almost makes sense. It's like we established a horror comic online for free so readers can get kind of get a, a taste of it and see if they like it. And actually the reader response has been phenomenal on our web page. We got comments. Uh, it's not all in once. It's almost like you got to scroll different pages and see different set of comments. Uh, it's weird how that that plays out or how it's laid out. But we've had a lot of readers say that they would buy the comic. Had a lot of readers say they want a physical copy. Where can they get it? Um, some people have actually said that waiting for the new page update is almost like waiting for the next episode of The Walking Dead, which I think is an awesome compliment. And even had a couple of fan favorites almost. They have some readers saying how we have a Hellions Biker Gang featured in, in, in the first issue, and they, they, they see the development there, and they're like, this is going to be another Mindless Biker Gang because there's potential here. And when readers tell you that, that's awesome. Also, we have a, a, a Muslim character, a female. Her name is Salma, and she's into prophecies. And someone made a comment on them digging the prophecies, and they were saying, please don't kill her, don't kill her. It's cool to have a Muslim character, and she seems powerful. Don't kill her. And just see begging me not to kill off his character, and it's only the first issue. I think that's insane, and, and, and I love that. And the fact that people love the, love the story so far. So I felt Kickstarter was a way to just put it out there and, and see, you know, hey, we set a, a low budget to put it to print, and anything else could help to go to financing because I'm financing everything out of pocket. And if people want it, that's the best way to put it out there. Kickstarter will hopefully, you know, to show us that the love is there. I noticed that you uh, also have been checking out and trying out Patreon. Mm. Can you kind of uh, let some listeners know a little bit about that process? Maybe that from the creative side, from from a comic side, what do you see, or how do you see Patreon? Honestly, I believe Patreon is going to be a revolution in a way. I, I feel that it's such a platform that's creator friendly. That's it's, it's unbelievable. When you think about, let's just say, publishing a comic and saying if, if I'd want to print it and, and go to a publisher and my profits, you know, X amount goes to the distributor, X amount goes to the publisher, X amount goes to the paper costs, and then this is for the creative team. It's, you, you won't get as much. Of course, through Patreon, how they have it laid out, about 90% goes to the creative team, which is great. The only thing about Patreon is that it's just still new. And there's, a, I guess, a lot of people just trying to go in there and just see what they, can, what they can churn out. As far as the Patreon goes, we do have a Patreon page. Um, right now, we're getting, I believe, $9 a month, which is awesome, considering that's three people that are, that are plugged in. And what we'll do, we'll offer, like, an early page preview. So every Sunday, we give a new page under the flesh. Uh, for, for some members, we'll give them that a, a day early. Uh, we'll give them exclusive stuff that they won't get anywhere else, Lay, uh, layouts, bonus content type deal, exclusive things only on Patreon. And the only reason why I feel that we haven't hit it so hard is because I haven't yet released a video with the Patreon. I wanted to do something professional in the video, but I guess sometimes things don't turn out the way you want, and I might 
have to do a handheld cam and speak from the heart. So <laughs> I might have to do that. But Patreon is is a revolution that's that's waiting to happen. It's creator friendly. And think of it as an ongoing Kickstarter. And fans are loyal. And if they like what you do and you treat them good and you give them good professional content, you know, it's a win-win situation. They get more of what they want and they're helping creators do what they love, put out more stuff. And it's amazing. And I, I hope eventually it picks up the way it should. So what in what went into your decision to go with a a monthly versus say like a per issue or per page or something like that? I felt maybe the monthly would just be more I guess I don't know how to say consistent. I'm not sure cuz I know you can release it per content and we're releasing the web page. I mean, under the flesh is going to be free online always. I mean, even though we're doing a Kickstarter print the first issue, I mean, we're always going to have that and it's always going to be the next page coming out for free. So fans that, that are there, it's great. So it's like, I don't want to charge per new release content because we're just going to release new content every Sunday. It was when we do it every week. So I figured if we do it monthly and let's say we meet, we reach a milestone goal. That could put us in a situation where, hey, maybe we don't have to release one page a week. Now we can release two pages a week. Hey, maybe now we're at a position where we can actually release three pages a week. So if you think about it, three pages a week, you know, you're getting towards almost in a month, you're getting close towards our first issue almost right there. So mm-hmm. I feel like it, it allowed us more reward incentive it allowed us more freedom in terms of providing more in terms of just doing it per content but i mean that's something that could change but that's something that me and jl we just looked at it we decided hey we'll just do it on the monthly and when it picks up people will hopefully you know be on board and see what we're doing and appreciate it let's go ahead and start talking about the uh the kickstarter campaign yeah so first of all i mean we've kind of danced around it so how about you give us your uh high level elevator pitch for under the flesh <laughs> Basically, under the flesh, it's a world ravaged by an unknown male-specific virus, and mankind's last hope lies in a genetically enhanced soldier. So, pretty much, the virus only infects men, and it turns them into cannibalistic cannibals, and hope lies for a genetically enhanced soldier. So, it's something. It's kind of like you could say, "Why the Last Man meets Walking Dead and Captain America." <laughs> How's that for something crazy? <laughs> there you go. There, there's a mashup for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And, uh, I see here that you're going to be looking for, uh, $3,500. Yes. And you are launching July 6th, if I remember right. July 6th. Yes, yes. sir. And are you going to go for, uh, how long are you going to go for? Um, pretty much six months. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Like, you, you, you learned the secret. There must be a, a a hidden hidden thing. I'm not sure. I'm not aware of. Oh man, no. Honestly, we're trying to do it. At, I want to say 30 days, or maybe it might be 29, 28 days. But we're trying to go for that 30 day mark. Mm-hmm. Just keep it short. Try to to come out punching. Try to come out showing what we have. Uh, we also have uh, an exclusive uh, first day reward for the first three days. Backers will get like a free exclusive print. It's going to be signed and hand-numbered by JL, uh, which is pretty cool. And pretty much, we just want to come out the gate, and we have everything complete in terms of the issue. It's just a matter of sending it to print. And we felt setting a small goal like 3500 would cover the cost of the printing. And it's kind of edging out what I would give JL, but, I mean, you got to make a sacrifice, so to speak, just to kind of, you know, you don't want to come out and put a goal for me, my first Kickstarter, hey, I need eight grand, I need ten grand. I mean... We're trying to be humble and say, hey, this could get us to what we need. And if you guys like it, hey, we'll have a second one with the second issue or whatnot. But we're just trying to play it safe and and show the brand and show the the professional quality and comic book art in terms of the indie side of what you can get. And we felt that would be a reasonable goal. This Kickstarter is going to be specifically for the first issue, right? Mm -hmm. So pledge levels, I'm assuming there's a digital one. We have a PDF that's that's set at $5, and you're going to get the PDF of the first issue and also an Escape Comics Previews PDF, which shows a glimpse into like my other projects that I'm working on with other artists. I have like three other projects I'm working with. So they'll see like a little taste of what I got coming out, and hopefully those will be future Kickstarters. But just a way to introduce people into my craft, into, into my style of writing, into my style of storytelling and stories, and to see what we have to offer, and hopefully they, you know, they're digging it. And then for a physical copy, I'm assuming there's physical a Physical copy, we, yeah, it's a $10 level. And in here, you're going to get two print copies, 
Um, so you'll get the print copy, physical copy of, of, of the first issue, and you're getting, again, the print copy for the second issue, but we're going to have a, 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 a Kickstarter limited edition like variant cover. JL's working on a, a, a special alternate variant cover, and that's a big thing of comic culture. You know, you always have a couple of artists doing their spin on, on a first cover or a different, different variant. So I, I told JL, I said, hey, why don't we, you know, instead of just giving them one, let's give them two. And then we give one variant cover that you'd only get through Kickstarter. So say for some reason, if we do eventually publish this in the future, that cover is not going to be available only through Kickstarter. So that gives us something cool. Okay. So just to, to clarify that it's, yeah. it's $10. Uh-huh. You'll get the PDF, mm-hmm. but you'll get two, uh, two, two versions of the first issue, just different, one standard cover, one variant, uh, Kickstarter limited variant cover. <laughs> yeah. That one, that one's at free and no additional cost. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause you partially said this, the second issue and I just wanted to make sure people oh, understood so there sorry. is no second. It's not a second issue. It's still the first issue. Yeah. It's the, sorry, uh, variant cover. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah. All right. So here's a, here's a question for you because this kind of, this kind of started in the game space and it's, it's blown up elsewhere, but I don't know. Is there a big push on the comic side for like stretch goals? Actually, we kind of have some things, I guess, in mind, but they're not. Here's the thing. In doing a lot of research and prep, sometimes stretch goals could be killers in a way. They could be handicaps because there's a lot of people that will focus on stretch goals and sometimes the printing costs and all that hits them upside the head and they can't. They can't deliver on time or whatnot. We wanted to keep this bare bones, but at the same time, if we see that, wow, you know, if it, additional funds are really high over, we got some bonuses set up, some original prints with different artists, some some other things you can get on the digital side, some bookmarks, some stuff. But unless this thing goes haywire, which I mean, I'm talking about like super haywire because I've seen projects, comic projects, but of course these are from writers that have a following. So, you know, it's easy to understand that. But if we, if it gets to that level, I'm sure we can definitely, you know, talk about the second and third and fourth issues. But basically I have uh, just thought it would be safe to keep it at a small goal. And we do have some stretch goals in place uh, in case things uh, go a little up, which would be good. Yeah, I, ju- I guess I just wasn't really sure if that was something that had crossed heavily into the comic culture. Oh, actually... In, in terms of the stretch goals, you, I've seen projects where you would have stretch goals almost finish out an entire story arc, and sometimes they met the stretch goals. So, I mean, it, it's it's definitely taking a part into the comic culture for sure. We're pointing out that this is your first Kickstarter. Yes. Your first comic that you, you're putting out. And mm-hmm. so uh, you're doing the... Uh, especially on the gaming side, we would call this a very smart move. You start with a smaller project and, and maybe even three or four small projects to kind of build a name for yourself and, and show that you can deliver on a project before you move into anything huge. So, you know, you're, you're, you're focusing in on the first issue, uh, and making sure everybody gets the first issue. But if this does happen to blow up, you do have some potential stretch goals that you can add on if need be. Totally, Jeff. Totally. And like you said, it's it's about, you know, credibility. I I mean, think of like, I guess the first issue could be like pre-orders almost uh, through our Kickstarter. It's just a way to to show that we're wanted, we want to do things smart. Although I was at first, I was carried away with the stretch goals. I'm like, stretch goals, hey, we'll do this. We'll complete the first story arc. We'll do a trade paperback. We'll do this. We'll do a hardcover. And Jay was like, Let's just stick with just the first issue and let's see how that goes. So he's also good. He's good game planner. You know, he kind of called me down because I was getting carried away and I'm like, you make a lot of sense, JL. And I'm like, that's extremely right. I'm like, let me take a deep breath. This is a brand. This is like, it's almost like, Hey, like, you know, like uh, Jamie Stonemeyer said, you know, like he, he, he could quit his day job. He got to that point. And, as a brand and we're doing things through Kickstarter, I want to really show the readers that we really appreciate the backing and I don't want to screw up any of these reward pledges at all. So I just want to make sure we get that out of the way. And Jay was like, if we do this small, we do it small. We'll do it. Hey, if we have to do a separate Kickstarter for the second issue print and then the third issue financing, we'll do it that way. And, and until we complete the first story arc and then maybe then we can do a Kickstarter for the trade paperback. And I'm like, you know what? Makes sense, Jail. Awesome. We'll just start with small, reasonable goals, little baby steps, and not get carried away because it's easy to just get carried away. And then 
you lose your credibility right there. And that's the last thing I want to do. The leadership, it's under the flesh. What we got now, it's, it's pivotal, crucial. It's, it's the heart and soul under the flesh, you could say. They're the heart and soul. They're, they're keeping things going. And I don't want to wrong these guys in any way. I just want to keep them happy and keep content coming their way. And let's do it in that way made sense. So you are set to kind of launch this on July 6th. What went into you launching this? What, what kind of, I guess this is the part where, you know, when we were, we were getting ready to record, I told you we'd eventually get to some lessons type things that you might oh, want to share, yeah, yeah. share with our audience. So this is your first Kickstarter, but even somebody mm-hmm. that hasn't run a Kickstarter yet, this close to launch, there's obviously things you've learned about the process already. So what what Definitely. kind of things would you like to share? Hopefully I get to pop this Kickstarter uh, cherry. Uh, but before I do that, I want to share some things. And first thing, most important, have a game plan. Because there's going to be a lot of things that you expect to go one way that they'll flip and go the other way. Perfect example, um, I had a buddy of mine who's, who's working on the video. And it's professional stuff. And it turns out he might not be able to produce the video in time. So that's the plan B. Now I have to do is to basically get to shoot a video and do it myself, which I'm totally ready to do. But the video is the most important thing only because a video will help a Kickstarter that much more in terms of percentage wise. I think they've shown that 50% more do better with a video. And a lot of people are visual. They might not want to read the reward buttons. They might not want to see the cool pictures. They just want to see you talk about it for a minute and a half. And I think that's the target time. You do a minute and a half, two minutes, and just talk about yourself. So far, you're doing good on my checklist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's important. So, like, I make sure that's set. And, like, I had a buddy. It was supposed to be set. And it turns out there may be some difficulties. So let's see. If anything, things pan out good. If not, I already have plan, plan B and C and, and set in motion. But that's credibility right there. You need a video to launch out the gate. And definitely take your time with planning. You want to network. You want to do everything genuine and do it wholeheartedly and there's a lot of people willing to help and jeff i appreciate the help that you that with all those geeks and what you've done because like you said jl reached out to you in a genuine way it wasn't you know cold it was just you know hey we need some support what do you think and and it it turned out something good so you want to network and you want to pace yourself and set small goals don't don't shoot for the stars right away because people will see that you're not coordinated, you're not, you know, careful and you're not treating it as a business. It's almost like you should treat it as a business because if you're expecting to be funded for your work, you know, people should like the work and people should see the, the professional quality behind it. And of course, if we don't have professional quality, at least the product to be somewhat professional and the presentation show that there's some dedication and planning involved. You went down some of my early checklist stuff very well. So obviously you have done some, some research and some planning, which is good to see. Yes. A lot of research was helpful (laughs) from your man, Jamie Stonemeyer. He did a whole, he has a whole thing on Kickstarter and a lot of it was pre-planning before you even start launching even a lot of stuff. He's been helpful with that. And it's a Stegmeyer. Yes. I said Stonemeyer, right? Yeah, it was his his company is Stonemeyer Games. It, it's a combination of his last name and his partner's last name, but it's Jamie Steg, oh, awesome. Stegmeyer and Stonemeyer yes. Games. So it's very easy to mix the two, definitely. <laughs> yeah, that's what I just did. But Jamie Stegmeyer wrote a bunch of awesome Kickstarter prep articles. He must have like over twenty out there for each different thing for shipping, for for how to plan your shipping, for international shipping. And, let me tell you, me and JL just ate up those, those, those articles and I contacted Jamie and I told him, Hey, it's been an inspiration. And I, I haven't touched base with him, but now I think it's almost a sign since you've had him on the show and you taught me how to pronounce his name correctly that <laughs> I should touch base with him and just tell him that I appreciate everything he's done. Maybe if he could take a look at it or maybe within his channels, you know, give it a shout or something would be awesome. But he's been influential in how to, pre- to, to, to prep a Kickstarter and anyone who has in mind to do a serious Kickstarter should definitely check those articles out. And let me give you uh let me give you one more brother. Cause I know mm-hmm. you're on Facebook as well. Okay. So have you joined the Kickstarter best practices and lessons learned group? I am in a Kickstarter group. I'm not sure if it's, I think it's a secret Kickstarter group in terms of like how to plan, right. but I'm not sure if uh it's, 
lessons. I think it's lessons learned. I'm going to check the groups right now, but um, there, I think I need to join that one if I'm not on it. Yeah, there, I mean, it is a lot of there is a lot of board gamers on there, so it's a lot of tabletop mm-hmm. game. But there are other people as well. But it is a an extremely active group. And they will not pull punches on feedback. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. The, yes, I am actually in that group. Okay. Yes, beautiful. good. Yes. Because yes. uh, if you and, – and have you posted your uh, preview link there and, and asked for feedback? Not yet. Yeah. Only yeah. because we're, we're, we're almost – we just got to do like a few more reward images to put up there. But that's something we're going to do before the launch. We launch on Sunday, but that's something we're going to do over the weekend is definitely to put it on there. And, and ask for feedback only because it's informative, like you said, and it, it's very intuitive and they're on there a lot. Like there's a lot of activity on there. Yeah, it is a very active group. It's one that I participate in quite a bit, uh, as well, but there are a lot of helpful people. The, the thing is though, just don't go in fragile because there are, there are people that will give you blunt, blunt force critiques. <laughs> uh, and, and they, they always mean well. That's the thing you also got to remember. They're, they're doing it because they, they actually do want you to succeed, but they do not pull punches. It's one of those groups though. You don't go in trying to say, Hey, look at my project. Jack, uh, what, what can you, what, what kind of feedback can you give me? But back it, you know, that kind of thing. You, no, you, no, you actually want to, you want to participate in that group and genuinely want feedback and interact with the people giving you that feedback, but you will get a ton of feedback and it's always great to get before you launch. Uh, cause again, multiple eyes. I mean, if, if you're knee deep in it, you may not see it and somebody else might. And if you get like multiple people telling you something, then you kind of know, okay, maybe that's something I do kind of have to look at. No, for sure. And, and you can't go in there. Like you said, um, uh, kind of, hey, here's my Kickstarter, you want to check it out, back it, you know, no, you actually have to go in there, not be fragile, like you said, because if you want, if you're serious, it's only, if you're serious, you want to hear all the feedback, and think about, if you put it up there, and the, the consensus is, wow, really good, really good, really good, you know you, that you laid out the, the, the reward tiers well, you laid out your, your, your whole outline, or how the layout for the Kickstarter is, all that's important, all that's crucial, and Sometimes people will read a reward and not understand what they're getting. Like you just thought how I how I worded it. You guys were getting issue two. Maybe I, you put a a preview out there and people are thinking something else. So it's to do it. It would be silly, you know. Right. And especially be open to it. Right. And the other, thing, have you been sharing out your uh, your preview link previously? In its infancy, uh, I sent it out to a, to a few people just to get some feedback. But that was way before how it looks now. And I believe on our on our web page, JL put a banner up there. Click to see preview. Right. I'm not sure if it's if it's set, but that's for anyone to just go up and look at. But yeah. over the weekend, we're, we're planning to put it all out on the line and let people see it before before Sunday. Just definitely, that would maybe be one of the only things for your future projects. I would change from mm-hmm. a little bit is is do that more publicly. Um, that, that's one of the things that we talk about quite a bit on the show is the nice thing for you is you've got a, a, a decent following already because you've been doing the comic on your website. Yeah. So that, that's cool. I mean, you, you've got that following, but one of the things that's nice about sharing your preview link early and, and we always tell, I mean, I, I've got people that, uh, are launching this summer yet that I've been dealing with them with their preview link since last November and stuff and sharing it out. And the the biggest reason is, is, I mean, one, you get all that feedback, right? But the other thing you get is if you, gen- and again, genuinely share it, genuinely ask for the your potential supporters to give you feedback and leave feedback on that preview page. One, you get them emotionally invested, right? So uh, if they're offering you feedback, especially if they see, you know, enough people offer you feedback and you go, you're, that's a good thing. And we will make that change. So now they feel invested. Now they're like, Oh, this is our project. Definitely. That is, that is key. The other really cool thing is also uh, the preview link. And this has been, I mean, it, since you've put yours together, it's been there, but this is actually mm-hmm. a, a somewhat recent thing that Kickstarter has done. And I think it's just a great thing that they've done. They've put that notify me on launch on your preview. Oh, wow. So now these people that are potentially want, uh, helping you in and getting invested and getting emotionally into your project and investing themselves can click on that notify me on launch. And the second you go live, they get an email saying, Hey, 
this project that you really cared about is live. Nice. <laughs> that's that's like you said, they're they're they'll be invested and and it's it's all genuine and that's important. All right, Gilbert, I think we're getting kind of down to our time here. Yeah. So uh, before I fully say goodbye to you, I'm going to go ahead and give some stats, and you can uh, tell me if I do okay or correct me <laughs> if need be. Ready? Okay. Let's go for it. We are talking about Under the Flesh, which is a comic that is going to be for the first issue of Under the Flesh. It's going to be on Kickstarter starting July 6th, running for roughly 30 days. We will, of course, have the link in the show notes like we always do. I'll also throw a a link to the Patreon site and the uh, main website. So if you want to check the show notes for those, you can check out everything Under the Flesh related. Gilbert is looking for $3,500 during the month of July. And definitely go check this out when you get a chance. How did I do? Did I get the stats right? Jeff, you're a, you're you're a, you're a one man hit. <laughs> right. I don't mean that little. I mean you hit it on the first try, which is good. You know, I mean some people need two or three shots. You got it on the first try. One one hit wonder. Not in that way. Again, I'm just teasing you. <laughs> yeah, no, no. <laughs> you did perfect. I, I, you did perfect, I, I think man. I think there's a lot of people that refer to our podcast as a one hit wonder. <laughs> no, I bro- felt like I could tease you a little bit. I don't know. I, I feel comfortable with you. So hey, I, hey, I man. I, I, I got to tell you, um, thanks for hanging out with me tonight. Awesome, man. Thanks for having thanks me. Thanks for time. being the non game interview for the Kickstarter space. <laughs> Hopefully, so I could pop that cherry for you guys. Yeah, hopefully this went went, went well for you as well. And uh, hey, you know, uh, you know, so let's keep in touch. And uh, if it, it, especially if uh, you know we get to a point where this thing blows up like it should, uh, come on hopefully. back and and we'll do a victory dance together, man. Definitely, Jeff. What you've done has been amazing. Has been immense. And thank you again, all us geeks. Appreciate it. And. Hopefully you could you could you could have me back. I want to know I want to know how that wall shelf is doing. I wanna, hopefully by the time <laughs> you know you got it you got it lined out with all the titles nestled in. <laughs> we but will definitely hopefully awesome. work on that this weekend. All right, <laughs> everybody, thanks again for listening to another great interview for the game of crowdfunding. I will be back soon with more interviews. July is extremely busy, so we'll be talking to a lot of people. Until then. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a proud member of the GeekCast Network. If you enjoyed it and are looking for other podcasts with a geek culture slant, head over to geekcastnetwork.com where you will find podcasts such as Two Bald Geeks, a podcast by two bald horror movie fans that dissect one horror movie a month, saving the spoilers for last. The GeekCast Network. You can broadcast your geekiness at geekcastnetwork.com.